0: Welcome back to Stars Like Us, I'm your host Aliza Kelly. On this episode, I speak with Jericho Mandibur, a magical Scorpio witch who just released her new book and tarot deck, Neo-Tarot. The subtitle is A Fresh Approach to Self-Care, Healing and Empowerment, which is an amazing trifecta and inspired this introduction today. Now I'm going to be honest, I have a tough time with self-care mainly because I spent the majority of my years defining my identity based on being a badass (laughs) who self-destructs, doesn't self-care. I smoked, I drank, I threw my body around because I thought that that was rebelling. And in a way it was, but Ultimately, I was just rebelling against myself. It's hard to be a conscious person. It's hard to feel sometimes disconnected from your own vessel. And I think that when we are going through difficult times, it's easy to just say, fuck it, I'm going to destroy this vessel. This doesn't reflect my spirit and is in fact actually disconnecting me from my spirit more than it is fusing them. This is at least how I felt for many, many, many years of my life. And I'm sure that there are quite a few of you who could relate to this. So I also am sure that some of you might struggle with self-care too. This is a concept, it almost feels like being blindsided (laughs) after all of these years self-sabotaging, now you're being told, no, 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 take care of yourself. That's the thing to do. But how do you reconcile the past? How do you reconcile being healthy, but also being whole? Being somebody who doesn't always want to indulge and feel great about themselves because to be honest, you don't always feel good about yourself, right? So this got me thinking and as an astrologer, obviously, I started to contemplate this astrologically. When I think of self-care, several planets come to mind. First, I think of the sun, the warm star that wants to keep us happy and healthy and radiant. Then there's the moon, the celestial body that protects our private emotional spaces and tells us how we wanna be nurtured and supported. There's Venus, the planet of love and beauty and bubble baths. Then there's the comet Chiron, the wounded healer, who offers insight into our deepest pains and traumas and sensitivities. And of course, none of this would be possible without Saturn, the ringed gas giant who enables us to make commitments. And just like our charts, self-care is not one thing. It's not static. Self-care is multidimensional and ever-changing. Self-care is recognizing that one day you may want to be your loudest, most obnoxious self, and the next day you may want to hole up in your room and cry. Self-care is accepting that in some moments you'll feel like the head bitch in charge, and other moments you'll feel like shit. Self-care is giving yourself permission to be an intuitive creature who transforms. And self-care is loving yourself for your highs and for your lows. It's celebrating your achievements and empathizing with your demons. It's learning how to break old, toxic patterns by slowly integrating new thinking into your life because you know you deserve the best, because you are the best, and you're the worst. (laughs) And that's what makes you who you are, a -a one-of-a-kind creation that only you really understands, but we all need so much. And just like self-care is a 360 experience, the birth chart, the tarot deck, are all complete landscapes in and of themselves. From Jericho's Neo-Tarot deck, I pulled the Wheel of Fortune card today. It's the card of Jupiter and it has the affirmation I am the peaceful calm at the center of life's unending revolution. Jericho writes that the meaning of this card is, quote, Just as what goes up must come down, what goes down must come up. Movement and change is the only cosmic constant. Staying in the calm center of the present moment and not on the wheel of life's turbulent edges means honoring the forces of nature. After all, we have no control over seasonal cycles and divine energy, but what we do have control over is our perspective on and reaction to the peaks and valleys of luck, a key part of the human experience. We're all connected and part of something bigger. Very beautiful words and a perfect symbol of this week's episode to kick off my conversation with the incredible Jericho Mandibur. Enjoy. My name is Aliza Kelly, and this is Stars Like Us, and I am here with Jericho. We're going to talk about lots of fun, amazing astrology, magic, esoteric subjects, but if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do, I think that would be a great way to get started. Okay, okay. so I am the editorial director of Galbus, and that's
1: kind of like my day job, and then I'm also a tarot reader, and I do Reiki, and I kind of like... Do a bit of like spiritual mentorship, so coaching for lack of a better word, um, with people as well. So, um, yeah, that about
0: sums it up. Oh, and I'm releasing a book called Near Terror in April. So cool! Congratulations. Thank you. So, what did you get into first? Would you get into editorial work, or did you get into magic?
1: I would say magic because that goes back a lot longer. Um, uh, kind of both in a way, because like I was I was super into magic as a kid, but I was also journaling a lot as a kid. And I guess that probably counts when it comes to writing. So I think they've had a really interesting relationship. Like I really um, I resonate a lot with, you know, when you see like famous people's diary pages and it's really clear like what they were doing intention wise and what they were manifesting and looking back on it is really interesting so like that um like Octavia Butler page if I don't know if you've seen that going around on Instagram and I have a very similar relationship so like I would be like this is going to happen like I will do this blah 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 and I felt like I was really like making things happen as I was like just exploring like myself and my thoughts and emotions with writing um but yeah I was just obsessed with like ghosts and witchcraft and like UFOs. And you're a Scorpio. And I'm a Scorpio. With an Aquarius moon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was just like Bermuda Triangle. Like anything like mysterious or supernatural was um, a big thing for me. And then I think like the first time, and I actually I don't think I've told anyone other than like my close friends this, but the first time that I had some kind of like magical experience was I had like warts on my hands, like five or so on each hand, And um, I was like, no, like I can... I can fix this. Cause I'm magical. You know, I was like 10 or nine or 10. And, um, I don't know what I did, but I guess I was just kind of, you know, like meditating. I remember like feeling like I was gonna, like, I was allowing them to like dissolve on like a, you know, like a molecular level. And eventually I fell asleep. And then the next morning they were gone. Wow. Was like, wow. You know? Yeah. And it's embarrassing for even to tell that story. Cause it feels like I'm, um, like a pathological liar or something, but like as a, as like a nine or 10 year old kid, that was so crazy. And like, I just remember telling my mom and she just kind of like totally ignored me, but
0: well, it's interesting you should say that you felt like a pathological liar because as somebody who is also magical and has been for a really long time, my whole life, There have been so many things that I haven't been able to explain. And I have also felt like I had to explain to people like, no, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious. I really did see a ghost or Mm -hmm. I really did have this uh, manifestation happen or this is really something that I had wished for and now is coming true. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously, societally, you don't get a lot of feedback on things that aren't tangible. So we're sort of set up for sounding like. Liars (laughs) Liars <laughs> in yeah, a lot of ways. That's
1: 100% true. And I'm like very conscious of like how I talk about these things for that reason. Cause you know, like I was not, a, you can probably tell from the picture I'm painting, I did not have friends.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, that's also an interesting thing too, because I do feel like a lot of people who from an early age were experimenting with these occult and magical practices were the weirdos in their friend group. You know, I, I feel like this is the next iteration of me having liked the first two albums of Modest Mouse (laughs) (laughs) and then (laughs) Float On came out and then suddenly everybody who had previously made fun of my taste in music was listening to the same music that they were making fun of. And I was like, wait, what? Like, this is my band. Yeah, that is
1: so true. There's so many layers to it because also like working for a large like women's media company, I can see you know, the rise of these certain things and the, the trendification of like certain like spiritual practices. And I feel that like, I'm not removed from that. You know, I'm, I'm not like, um, the one and only like perpetrator who's like rubbing my hands together and being like, I'm going to make this mainstream, but you know, like I'm definitely complicit in that process. So I'm sitting on like both sides of it, you know? Um, but so there's this woman, she's, a she's a coach and like a spiritual mentor kind of figure called Ra Goddess. I don't know if you know her, but um, she always says like, nobody has a monopoly on God. Mm. And when I find myself kind of like triggered, like my inner child, like being triggered by seeing other people pick up things that like I've been working with for a long time, I always try and remember that because I'm like, well, you know, everybody is on their own path and some people are going to get there one way and other people are going to get there another way. And I just try and, you know, like, stay in my lane basically but it it is i think it brings up a lot for a lot of people and one of the first like um witchy books that like i bought with my own money was called like teen witch and it was literally exactly i know that book right yeah so it was exactly like today it's not like this stuff doesn't come up again and again and again and it's not like it's somehow worse or somehow more commercial um and that was a gateway for me and I'm sure that like that would be a gateway for other young women now.
0: So. Yeah, I mean I my first experiences with astrology were sitting on the floor of Barnes and Noble's trying to figure out if I was compatible with whoever I had a crush on when I was 13. Mm-hmm. So in a really meaningful way the teeny bopper verticals are actually an incredible Uh, opportunities
1: yeah totally totally I I think the positive side of that is that you learn so much more and you, you have a bit more of a nuanced understanding of things so for example like the best thing to come out of the Sephora like witch kit was the sage conversation like that was like so enlightening as to like you know the ethical and sustainable um issues especially as it relates to like indigenous communities with like certain kinds of sage purchasing yep um And, like, when we were growing up and reading books, like, we didn't really have that kind of, like, um, that understanding of how things can be, like, good and then no bad and then good again and then, oh, but this and then, oh, but that. And, like, I feel like there's just so much going on now that it's a lot to get your head around. Um, But I think, like, the biggest thing to get out of it is just that, like, nobody's fucking perfect and Mm -hmm. nothing is fucking, like... Perfect. that you see there's always an underbelly like there's always a shadow like there's always more to be interrogated and like um as much as it can like suck I think that's like the good lesson out of it
0: so I have had the privilege of looking at your chart before um you are a Taurus rising Mm -hmm. Scorpio sun and Aquarius moon so you are a triple fixed goddess um and of course it's just the truth um (laughs) For the past two years, even more at this point, actually, we've had the Leo Aquarius eclipses, um, which started in August 2016. They really were heating up in 2017, especially that amazing solar eclipse that happened right over the United States.
1: Mm. So 16, thinking back, like that, I was in like a really low point because I was so burnt out. Like that was at like my worst and I was having like – chronic migraines. And I was like really questioning like what I was doing with my whole life. Um, and that was when I like did a lot of like personal work on overcoming like shame and stigma around talking about this stuff openly, you know, cause up to that point, I'd been like, I'm a professional journalist Mm -hmm. and like, I'm never going to talk about my beliefs. Um, and they were really just like, you know, books under my bed and that was it. Um, and then, I was like, no, fuck this. So I just started, I I started with like an anonymous Instagram account because I was like testing my confidence, but I was Mm. like talking about tarot. Like I was also being mentored by a a tarot um, teacher in Sydney at the time. So they were helping me a lot as well. Um, But I was doing all this kind of like work and I didn't really know where it was going to go. But then like in very early 2017, that's when I got invited to come to LA and work for Girlboss. Of course I said yes. And then being here, I just think that like ever since then it's been, um, it's just been like opening like more and more and like pushing myself more and more. Like I never thought I would do a podcast. I never thought I would read a book. Like I never thought I would, um, have like a public voice. Like one of the reasons I liked writing is because I was like, I felt like I was contributing to the collective and like being critical and all the things I love, but it was like largely anonymously, you know, Um, it didn't affect me personally. It wasn't about like my like faith, you know, Mm -hmm. or my like, um, personal practices that like I do behind closed doors, you know? And so as a Scorpio, like it, it, it's taken me a long time to talk about that stuff. Um, and from like 16 to now and working with like other spiritual teachers in that time as well has like really just kind of like cracked me open, like again and again to the same stuff. And I feel like I'm still kind of in the middle of it.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting, especially with your chart configuration, having this moon in Aquarius, which I believe is in your 10th house of career, Mm -hmm. and Aquarius being so humanitarian and so of the people and of the collective. And since these eclipses have been in Leo and Aquarius, it sounds like the real growth has been in simultaneously uh evolving your personal identity, your personal voice and platform while still being able to reach and disseminate and be an advocate for much greater ideas rather than just yourself as an individual. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. always a difficult thing to manage and negotiate because I I like to think of the Leo and Aquarius Access as Leo is the performer. And Aquarius is the audience. Mm -hmm. And you really need to have both in order to have a good performance. You Mm -hmm. can't just I mean, I guess you could have like a performance for you, but Mm -hmm. that's very different than actually standing on a stage and speaking to people and making an impact. You need the Aquarius energy for that. But how do you reconcile both of those at the same time is very difficult. So next up, we have the Cancer and Capricorn eclipses, which Mm. are going to be pretty monumental for everybody, especially the United States, since Mm. the United States at large is going to be experiencing its Pluto return at the same time. We're going to have um, Pluto and Saturn conjuncting. We're going to have Jupiter and Saturn conjuncting. This is all 2020 stuff Mm. that's going to be really bonkers. But for you personally, um, there's also, you know, what this... What this symbolizes is the end of one chapter and the beginning of another. So what's next for you, Jericho? What are these Cancer and Capricorn eclipses going to do?
1: Oh, thank you for saying all that. That's so lovely. I could just listen to you all day. (laughs)
0: Um, Well, I think I've got to do a fair bit of building.
1: Like I really feel like Capricorn energy-wise it's going to be like – more not keeping my head down but like I've got a lot of like concrete like planning and stuff to like overcome and that's just stuff that's like really out of my wheelhouse because I'm always just like blah like boring or like I'll figure (laughs) it out like I just can't like
0: focus in that kind of way so well it's completely different skill set too yeah I mean somebody who's really good at getting the stats and the metrics on things Mm -hmm. is not necessarily the same person who's coming up with the creative ideas or practicing Reiki or being able to mm-hmm. channel different energy. Totally. Not to say that they're mutually exclusive, but it does. It's a different type of magic.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I feel like it's a really diff- different um, part of like my brain and I'm realizing like, just cause you're a, a good writer and in media, it doesn't mean that like you can do those things. Cool, cool, cool.
0: Um, I'm looking at your chart right now and the cancer Capricorn energy is going to be in your ninth to third, and then predominantly in your eighth to second. Mm -hmm. So what this looks like to me is a lot of money stuff is also going to be the focus of the next two years, Mm -hmm. which is so fucking important. Mm -hmm. Um, Money is, uh, as an eighth house cellium girl, um, I think about money all the time because it is one of these necessary evils. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to make your best work if you don't feel like you're getting paid for it. Yeah. It's very hard to keep yourself motivated if you can't pay your utility bill. Um mm-hmm. and it's a it's something that I am looking forward to seeing more people publicly talk about is money. Yeah. Um because it really to me is a very shadow topic. Yeah. Um people are really scared of addressing it and I think that for uh, self-made people for people who are trying to navigate this world without necessarily having somebody to invest and buy stocks for them. Mm-hmm. It's something that we all need to help each other with and support. So in the next two years, as you're going through whatever you're going through financially and you're making your money and you're tether you're separating yourself from other people's money. You know, that's also a big second and eighth house thing. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily even like you have, Someone's American Express card that you're using, but mm-hmm. just somebody else's values of money. You know, mm-hmm. what money means to our parents or to the authorities in our life when we are growing up does not necessarily have to do with what it means to us. Yeah. And as we come into our own, I think that that's a really important self dialogue and then also something to share.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I talk about money a lot on Go Boss. Obviously, that's like a big part of like, um, you know, independence is like financial literacy. And I think it's a kind of an overlooked aspect of feminism in general. I do too. Yeah, really. And so I've been learning a lot from that, but I'm really yet to apply it on a personal level and create my own like dialogue, as you say. So it's needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that we are taught to believe that money is dirty Mm -hmm. always. And if we are asking for money, And if that is a priority of ours, then our values are all warped and that we're not actually doing things that are good. Mm -hmm. That we must be these greedy, like Patrick Bateman characters. (laughs) But I um, have found that in being able to say yes to things and being able to say no and in figuring out what my quantitative value is, Mm -hmm. it has also helped me figure out my qualitative value Um, in a way that just accepting projects and not getting paid for things was never able to, I was never able to tap into that. Yeah, And I think it's just, we were just talking before we started this podcast about insurance too. Mm. Like these are really, really important issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And even when you're lighting candles and making rituals and activating all of your six senses, it's, we still have to live in this world where we need to. Pay our gas bill. Yeah,
1: <laughs> totally, and uh, yeah, exactly. And they're, they're not even that separate, really, are they? Like, it's. I totally believe that money is like an emotional frequency, and, and like Absolutely. You say, like if you're not coming to money from like the right, like emotional place, then like working with money in like a right way or a smarter way, it's going to help you emotionally as well. You know, because it reflects like back to you your worth in a way that maybe you're not coming to the table with to begin with. So, like by hook or by crook, like. It's it, you need to get right with money.
0: Now I have some lighter questions. Um, I mean, actually, maybe lighter, maybe not. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite tarot card? Oh, shit. Um, oh,
1: they're just they're all so good. But I, I have like a special relationship with the star.
0: I knew you were going to say the Did star. You know I right.
1: knew it. Aquarius, moon. Um, but also just because like I need it's like healing medicines so much again and again and again I like just always come back to it um and I got really sick when I first um got to LA I was like here for a week or two weeks and I was like working with the star really closely for like the course of like a week every day and um I had kind of just finished that and I was like halfway between like the star and the moon and then I kind of like totally collapsed because I'd been like really ill for the whole week or two but i was just ignoring the symptoms and being stupid and um and i like had sepsis and it was like life threatening yeah and i like collapsed and had to go to hospital and everything and i was fine of course but um when i look back on that i'm like that was like my like week-long like meditation with a star like (laughs) it's just so funny that that like what I got out of it was this like purging of like there was stuff in me that like had to like I had to like really like examine like the metaphorical wound and in order to like get rid of it and that happened and then afterwards like it kept coming back to the star and I was just like oh my god this is like
0: my card. So when you say that you are working with a card what does that mean to you? What does that work look like?
1: So I would kind of just you know like put the card on my altar for like some agreed upon period of time. And I might like develop an affirmation with it and, you know, just like sit down with it and meditate on it and like do like, you know, like journey work with it where I'll kind of just imagine in like a guided meditation sense that I'm meeting the woman in the star, for example, and I'm in that landscape,
0: you know. Mm, That's cool. So what is a good way to begin Uh, strengthening or deepening a relationship with a particular card? Is it something to, and this is actually maybe segues into another question, which is about your weekly tarot card of the week. Mm -hmm. That was a redundant way of framing it, but (laughs) your weekly tarot of the week, is that also something that people can do on their own?
1: Yeah, totally. Like um, I always pick a random card like every day and every week. And I think that's really nice. And it's just a way to like learn, you know, um, the card's, in a more randomized way. Um, But I also think it's fine just to do it in order. You know, if you're like um, in a place where you're still working with like understanding the meaning of each card, I think it's just really nice to like start with a full and just go all the way through and spend like as much time as you need a week or a month. I mean, that would take a really long time. There's 78 cards, but just as long as you need for each one. Um, And I come at everything from like a journaling kind of place. So I would say, you know, like look at each card and be like, what's the what's like the you know the gift or the benefit or the resource write that down you know just based on first impressions and then what's the challenge or like the hurdle in the same card write that down um what's like you know the the lesson um you know just like break it down into like three questions um so it might be like you know the the positive the negative quote unquote and then the um the like the challenge or the um task that it's like Mm. setting you something like that um and then just stare at it for as long as you need to goddamn stare at it you know in a in the right context when you're feeling really meditative and really like you know you're invocating like in whatever sense whatever that means to you um and then just like write as much as you can and of course it's really nice to have like a foundational knowledge with like a book that you can refer to so you can like do that journaling or do that like whatever kind of work you're doing to uh, interpret the cards in your own way and then refer back to a source that, you know, you really trust. So you can be like, Oh, okay. It was different in these ways and the same in these ways. And that way you're not just like completely going off your intuition Mm because as much as that is really amazing and like important, um, you know, there's also this huge canon of like tarot, like history and knowledge that like you're not just going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, so Mm -hmm. do both.
0: Yeah. And I know that you because I, I'm I watch your tarot, tarot weekly tarot of the, I, why I can't, why do I have to say weekly twice in it <laughs> I don't know it's it's, it's your tarot of the week I watch tarot, out of the week. tarot yeah. card of the week I watch tarot card of the week each week and you, you read reverse cards too yeah. right yeah so I don't read reverse cards when you are reading a reverse card what does that evoke that reading it in its uh, I was going to say direct because I'm an astrologer. So non-retrograde form show.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is a very good way of looking at it. Um, I think it just shows for me that somebody like maybe is a little bit resistant to that energy. Um, and it's not always the way, because so much of it is just the context of like the other cards around it and how it feels. So like, sometimes I'll, have an upright card and I'll kind of emphasize the the shadow aspects or like the resistant aspects of maybe that person's relationship with that card, like as I see it, even though it's not reverse, and then other times a reverse card, I'll kind of more or less treat them like it's upright except that maybe that person um, needs like a little bit of an extra poke to like work on that, um, on really embodying that kind of energy. Um, but, yeah, other times it will kind of be like, okay, like this is something that you – needs more attention or it needs a little bit less attention mm. because like you've got it twisted. So whether it's more or less kind of depends on just what else is going on and how it feels for me. Um, but I think they they both come from like the same place, which is just like the metaphor of like a block, you know. So sometimes if like a pipe is blocked, um, it stagnates and like the water won't flow and then other times it'll like build up until the point where it explodes and it's actually excessive, but it's still a block, you know?
0: So in the case of, let's say, one of, a card that is not nece- not negative, again, negative with the quotes, mm-hmm. but a more challenging card, even upright, let's say maybe the Ten of Swords mm-hmm. or something, or even the Three of Swords, which mm-hmm. is the heart with the swords coming into it, right? Yeah. That's the Three of Swords when it's reversed, does it become more positive or does it stay, you know, Mm. heartbreak?
1: Yeah, I think it stays definitely. Um, but again, like some, like, so I've definitely read it like that. Like it just, it stays. Um, but then I'll kind of think like maybe it's, receding in some way you know what I mean um I would never say it's like the opposite but I might say like okay maybe this is something that like it's getting like more or less of your attention depending on like which way it's going so yeah with like the three of swords it might be like okay so this is a big thing and maybe like the worst is over um or like it might be a totally another reading with a different person it might be like this is a big thing and like you you actually like you need to do more about it Mm. because like it's actually worse than you think the worst is not over, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it depends, but I, I kind of just see, um, like a quote unquote negative card in reverse as like
0: a negative card in reverse that like needs your attention. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. When is your book coming out? Where can we find it? Where can we find you? Oh my God. Okay. So
1: my website is jerrycomandiebear.com, which is the spelling um
0: j-e-r-i-c-o-m-a-n-d-y-b-u-r i I think that's a jingle waiting to happen do you reckon yeah yeah i definitely do
1: i'm excited for that (laughs) stay tuned um and then yeah neo tarot is a book and a deck that's coming out in april
0: 2019 so exciting yeah very cool thank you so much thank you.